Welcome to Energy Analyst Talk, a podcast from ESAI Energy. Welcome to Energy Analyst Talk. My name is Jake Wright, and today we have Yao Wu, Asia Analyst at ESAI, and Mohanad Al-Suaidan, ESAI's Middle East and Global Fuel Oil Analyst, to discuss global trade in the future and its implications on demand for marine bunker. Thank you both for joining me today. Thank you, Jake, for having me. Thanks. A pleasure to be here. So global trade has been impacted by trade wars and this year's pandemic, but interesting and significant developments are happening, such as the recently signed Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership in Asia and potential changes of trade policies in the U.S. So let's start with Asia's new trade deal. Yao, what is it and who are the members? Thank you, Jake. So after eight years of negotiation, leaders of 15 Asian countries signed a free trade agreement last month called the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, or RCEP. Uh, it includes 10 members of the ASEAN countries, uh, the Association of Southeast Asian Nations. Uh, these are Thailand, Singapore, Vietnam, Malaysia, Indonesia, Philippines, Brunei, Cambodia, Laos, and Myanmar plus five other countries, including China, Japan, South Korea, Australia, and New Zealand. India participated in the talk since 2013, but decided not to join 2019. It could change its mind and join in the future, but even without India, this group of nations account for one third of the world's GDP and population. So it is larger than NAFTA or European Union. Yeah, that's quite the collection of countries. Um, from my understanding, the RCEP forms the largest trading bloc in history. Mm-hmm. So what are the main benefits under RCEP? So RCEP will integrate the various uh, free trade agreement, FTAs, between ASEAN countries and the other five member countries that will bundle them together into a single framework. And the aim is to eliminate import tariffs in 20 years. Before RCEP comes into effect, uh, there has been... Uh, multiple FTAs uh, in this region, but they are complicated because uh, they have different rules of origin, which define where a product comes from and and therefore which tariffs would apply. For example, a product made in Indonesia that contains uh, Australian parts might face tariffs elsewhere in the ASEAN free trade zone. But under RCEP, parts from any member nation would be treated equally. This might give companies in RCEP countries an incentive to look within the trade region for suppliers. Therefore, RCEP really works to integrate the supply chain and we encourage investment and trade in Asia. And moreover, this agreement also brings together countries that often have geopolitical tensions. For example, it is the first uh, free trade agreement between China, Japan, and South Korea and therefore will deepen East Asian cooperation. It also gives hope to um, help stabilize relationships between China and other South Asian countries by making their supply chain more intertwined. Sounds like good news for the regional economy and security. This will come into effect next year, right? That's correct. This will take effect 60 days after it has been ratified by the member countries. So uh, at some point in the second half of next year. So it'll take some time before it delivers actual economic benefits, uh, but should play a significant role in the medium and long term, correct? I agree. 
It is hard to quantify its implications now, uh, but according to a simulation of world economy by Peterson Institute, the RCEP will increase annual global income in 2030 by $186 billion if the world returns to the era before the US-China trade war. But if the current trade war sustains, the RCEP would deliver even greater benefits because its uh, Asia supply chain is more efficient and this will uh, raise global income by $209 billion uh, in 2030. Uh, and this will repair most of the damage caused by the trade war. It is interesting to bring up the two scenarios. The timing of the trade deal is important as we've experienced trade wars with China and other countries, but the US administration is about to change. So Mahanad, what trade policies can we anticipate, and will the world return to the era before Trump? Uh, well, it's interesting because there are several uh, factors going on here. On the one hand, uh, key personnel choices in the Biden administration point to a pro-trade position. Wally Adiemo, for example, who has just been nominated for Deputy Secretary of the Treasury, was the chief negotiator for the TPP, hinting towards that trade, pro-trade position. On the other hand, Democrats are much more conscious of the effects of liberalized trade, especially after 2016 with the Rust Belt shifting towards Trump and the surprise success of Bernie Sanders uh, in 2016 and the strong challenge he put up in 2020 within the Democratic Party. Both of those suggest that it's unlikely that the Democrats will return to the pre-Trump trade policies. Now, Trump has really frustrated European allies through policies such as withdrawing from the Iran deal quitting the Paris Climate Agreement and imposing a series of tariffs on EU goods. Biden will seek to restore relationships with foreign allies. And on the trade front, he pledged to end Trump's artificial trade war and improve economic relations with the EU. But we can't expect that the tough on China trade policies will partially continue under Biden. Now, one of the things that Biden has consistently stated is that he will include environmental and labor leaders in future trade negotiations. That's interesting, the last part, because uh, that will be an important difference between Biden's potential trade deals and the Asia's um, RCEP, because the RCEP does not say much about environment and labor rights. I believe um, the main goal is just to uh, integrate the supply chain in the region. So, so that suggests that the US is unlikely to join the RCEP? Nope. I believe trade patterns in the future may be more uh, regional focused. So overall, uh, what is the big picture you see for global trade patterns in the future, and how will this affect fuels demand? Well, we can expect a partial return to the rules-based multilateral trade world that we lived in before COVID. But the one thing that the COVID crisis has really highlighted is the vulnerability of the global supply chain. What we are likely to see in the future are more regional trade deals that might sacrifice some efficiency in order to reduce the risk exposure that some of these companies face. So in terms of implications, we can expect uh, the most significant implication to be on bunker demand. Uh, demand in Asia will, will likely increase by 100,000 barrels in 2021 and about 300,000 globally. And that is more than enough to offset the losses from 2020. Well, then, uh, we'll keep an eye on the near-term bunker demand. And I imagine you're right that we'll see more of these regional agreements develop long-term. Uh, this is certainly an interesting topic, and I appreciate you both taking the time to discuss it with us. My pleasure to be here. Happy to be here. Thank you for joining us on Energy Analyst Talk, a podcast from ESAI Energy.